Good morning, doctors. Welcome to episode five regarding a growth mindset with Coffee with Zeb. Um, I am your host, Zeb Smith. I am a uh, coming up on third quarter DC student at Life University. Um, that is to say, though, that the things that I say, think, and do don't necessarily reflect the school. I am my own person at 31 years old. I have lots of crazy ideas, and they're all mine. So uh, anyway, the reason we got this podcast going is really because I want to make sure that I'm pouring into back into the community, trying to share some of the lessons I've learned, the tips, the tricks, and, and also uh, just keep you guys engaged with the story of what chiropractic is doing in my life in hopes it'll actually help improve the quality of your life, help you go to that next level in life and practice in school and uh, whatever it is that the Lord has designed you to do. So uh, today we're talking about a growth mindset. And uh, first, let me just say, uh, got some apologies. I, I've been gone for a few weeks. Like, I really, this really should be episode seven, but uh, um, I've been slacking on my end. And you know what? Uh, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry because there was one weekend I went to camp uh, and that was a phenomenal experience for those of you that um, are students uh, or if you're doctors, if you're affiliate, you should be affiliated with Max Living. And Max Living does several of these camps, camp transformations. Um, throughout the year. It's like a three-day retreat uh, at a camp in Florida and you do some hard stuff and you figure out some of your stuff and you come back a better human being. So I did that one week and then another week it was uh, the week right after that was finals which was really exciting because um, the week when I should have been studying for finals I was uh, doing burpees in knee-deep water. So you know um, anyway I did good on finals and uh, you know teamwork is what makes the dream work. So um, anyway, now I am resting with my family. We're on a three week break. Uh, I guess we just finished the first week of, of winter break here at life university. And, uh, man, I've just been chilling and it's been so good to know that, um, my finances are squared away and I can just sit on my butt and not have an agenda, not have to be productive, not have to go and do and fill in the blank and uh, just recharge with my family. So it's been super restorative to me. I hope you guys are all doing the same with your family, especially if you're in school. Um, if you're a doctor in practice, make sure that you you keep your ducks in a row and you plan. I was actually talking with uh, uh, Mark Losby, Dr. Sarah Losby's husband about how they do like the work-life balance thing. And one of the big nuggets he gave me, gave me is he says, you know, Zeb, if you're not careful, you can get stuck in workaholic mode and just completely burn yourself out. But if you plan yourself about six weeks of going hard, then you can totally guilt-free give your your family like a one or two weeks of just playtime. Like go vacation, go uh, make sure you have seasons of of push and seasons of rest. And and that I mean goes all the way back to Genesis. You know, God Himself built the world in six days, and then He took a day off to just sit there and enjoy it. And uh, I mean, if God Himself does that, that says a lot for us. So, um, docs, students, spouses, wherever you're at. Um, make sure you take time to recharge and restore yourself. Now, this camp experience, this is, uh, oh man, I had some a really huge breakthrough that I'm not going to share here on the public interwebs because it's none, none their business, but um, tell you what, you want to buy me coffee or something and, and we can go sit and talk about it. And man, I can really share some of the big gems I, I took away. Um, but today, what I want to do is I want to share a small gem that I got that is like super precious, super valuable. I mean, if I didn't get my big breakthrough, the camp would have been worth it for this smaller one by itself. And so what I want to do is uh, tell you about, uh, so when I was at camp, we have lunch in the cafeteria hall and it's all kind of horizontal, you know, all round tables. So there's a bunch of students, there's a bunch of established doctors, there are the doctors that are leading the camp, 
Um, and we all just kind of get to mingle and, and it's a very like down to earth experience getting to hang out with these, these super high level doctors been a practice for like decades. And me, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just finished second quarter in school. Who the heck am I to be even getting to have lunch with you and, and have conversation with you. Um, but anyway, I was sitting there, I was, was sitting with, uh, um, several doctors and they were just talking about skiing and, and I was talking about, oh, you know, I'm from Sandpoint, Idaho. It's beautiful skiing up there, the Schweitzer mountain. I actually, um, grew up at the base of Schweitzer mountain, but was always too poor to afford, you know, ski pass and, um, all that stuff. But anyway, that, that's some backstory you guys don't necessarily care about, but, but anyway, I'm talking to them about Idaho. I'm talking to them about skiing. And the, of course the topic of Colorado comes up because everyone who goes skiing, like they want to go ski in Breckenridge. They want to go, um, ski in Steamboat Springs. Like there's some really great skiing in Colorado. And for me, like I'm one of the few people that like, I don't know, like I, I lived in Colorado, lived there for three years. And, and for me, a lot of times when I tell that story, I'm like, oh my gosh, Colorado's terrible. It's such high altitude. And you know, the winters are so cold. It's like, you gotta, when you run from your, your front door to your car, like your hands turn black if you're not wearing gloves. And then in the summer, it's just the opposite. Like you feel like you're trapped in an air fryer. If you don't carry a gallon jug of water around with you, like you're liable to die of dehydration just on a, on an afternoon walk through, uh, through your neighborhood. So, um, sorry, just thinking about it made me really thirsty. Um, and so I, I start telling him about like my experience living in Colorado. And at that moment, Dr. Cameron Maynard, a really great doctor who practices in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He, uh, is it Tulsa? I think it's Tulsa. Uh, he turns to me and he says, you know, Zeb, you're the only person I have ever heard complain about Colorado. And uh, that memory is like burned in my mind. Because, you know, I don't know if for you guys, if you have like certain words that trigger you, that uh, like make you like flip your gourd um and get super defensive but for me one of those words is complain because for me like i grew up blue collar we're hard hard working working class people and one of the things we don't do ever is complain because that's what snowflakes do we don't complain we just suck it up and bear it very stoic mindset and so right there in that moment like he didn't mean to but uh dr cameron like called me out and uh um so in that moment um, for me at this point in my life, like I figured out like, okay, don't be defensive. Like if someone accuses you of something, uh, stop for a moment and reflect. Um, and he wasn't even accusing me. He was just like, oh, you're the only person I've ever heard complain about Colorado. And for me, I felt, uh, cornered almost like, oh my gosh, am I complaining? Am I a complainer? No, I'm not a complainer. And so immediately everything in me wanted to rebel against that. But I've learned over the years to think that maybe people see things that I don't see and, and also recognizing that um, emotions are just a signal. They're a signal that you need to act. Like if you feel happy, like you should laugh and smile and share that with other people. If you are sad, you should figure out what is it that has caused you sorrow. You have to figure out what is the cause so that you can change your situation. Like if you're afraid, like maybe there's a tiger chasing you and you need to figure some way to act to get out of that situation. So emotions, they are a huge part of the human experience. But I think that rather than letting them overrule you, you should figure out how to use them. Um, just like you learn to use your legs and you learn to walk. It's like, well, you know, like 
I could be twitchy McGee and just, you know, shake around like a baby does all the time, just moving my limbs around aimlessly, or I can figure out how to use what was given to me so that I can actually go somewhere in my life. So just like an infant, like I was born with these emotions. And so for me, one way I figured out how to use them um, is to use it as a trigger to rewire part of my brain. And so, okay, so I'm having this emotion and that is a sign to pause and reflect. So I stop and I think, okay, what is wrong with Colorado? Why do I dislike Colorado? And what's cool is, you know, if you sit down and you pray, you sit down and meditate and you ask a question to the cosmos, um, you get an answer. Um, like Jordan Peterson talks about this all the time. He's like, when you sit on the edge of your bed and you pray, you shouldn't be like just giving a wish list of things. Like you should simply ask God, what am I doing to mess this all up? And what's funny is when you ask something like that, God will tell you, you are doing this. And then you like have the opportunity to choose a different course of action. Um, so for me, I'm like, okay, so why am I complaining about Colorado? And, and I like went back to like, okay, what happened when I went to Colorado and Colorado, uh, for a lot of you guys, you don't know my backstory. I, I actually have my undergraduate in preaching and Bible from the Boise Bible college in Boise, Idaho. I have the equivalent of a New Testament, or I, I have the equivalent of a minor in New Testament Greek, Koine Greek. And uh, for me, for a good chunk of my life, I was going to go into the ministry. And, uh, and so when I was getting out of school, I was interning with this small church in Star, Idaho, and it, it turned into a job. And so I went from interning into being their youth pastor. And I had a group of about 25 kids with like a, a broader impact of like 40 to 50 kids who would like show up sporadically. And my goal was not to have a fun youth group. Like you could ask any of the kids that were in that group. Like I suck at games. Like all the other youth groups, they have super fun, like trivia nights and I don't know, a bunch of kids on stage drinking soda through a sock and like all sorts of crazy memorable youth games. Uh, but my youth group met in my living room and we sat down and we read the Bible and I taught them the process of exegesis. That's where, um, basically that's the process every preacher goes through when they read through the Bible and figure out what it's trying to really say to us and figure out what does that mean for us now in our lives today? Cause the Bible is like super old book, right? Super old. Um, and it was written to a culture completely alien to you. Um, like until you've been a shepherd in the BC, like 1500 BC, like you don't, you don't get to say that the Bible's written to you being the, uh, the most entitled 1% of the history of humanity here living in America. Um, so anyway, lots of rabbit trails I could go down with that. Anyway, I had this youth group. I thought it was awesome. Youth pastor didn't, or the senior pastor didn't think that it was awesome. Um, because you know, we were a church plant. We need to have, have, have a building and buildings have bills and, um, and the part of the way you pay the bills is you get people to start coming to your church. And for me, I was reaching these non-Christian youth whose parents would like drink all night and like would never darken the doorway of a church. Um, but I was having a real positive impact with the kids. And the thing was, that's not a good business strategy. Like a good business strategy is you have a fun youth group. That way established church kids come with their established church parents and established church parents know that they need to pay for their seat. You know, they need to tithe every week and that helps keep the lights on and keep the doors open and keep the whole machine moving forward. So anyway, I was relieved of my position because I um, was not able to support the financial goals um, in that way. Uh, and I was okay with it. Like I actually, I made them this big, like, uh, 
coffee cart uh, youth ministry funding program type thing. Um, well, the church had terrible coffee, right? And so then I set up this coffee cart where the youth, the teenagers could actually go there and make coffee and then sell it to people in the church for like a donation. And the donation would go towards the youth ministry's budget. And that way I was like, okay, so this is how we're going to pay for pizza and help keep the youth ministry going and do all the cool things that youth groups do. So I was like, cool, this is my parting gift to you guys. I want to leave on a good note, leave with blessing and just allow you to bring in a youth pastor who can run a youth ministry that you guys want that will fit your community and your season of ministry. And then I moved my wife and my one-year-old down to Colorado Springs, Colorado. And we had a minivan and a U-Haul trailer and we limped into Colorado Springs that like blew out the suspension in my minivan to drag that trailer all the way down from Southern Idaho. And uh, we ended up getting an apartment. It was like 500 bucks a month, you know, sleeping on the floor of a one bedroom apartment on the wrong side of town. And finances were really tight, but, but I had this plan, right? I, I felt called by God to be in the ministry. And I was gonna open a coffee shop church because the cool thing about coffee shop churches is there a coffee shop by like Monday through Saturday. And then on Sunday, they can be a church and they don't have to ask anybody for money and they don't have to let money kind of sully the way the church runs um, because coffee has a stupid high profit margin. Those of you who are maybe not entirely sure if you want to be a chiropractor, you might open a coffee shop because um, coffee has between like a, like a 63 and a, like a 93% profit margin on it. Like when you go to Starbucks and you pay $5 for that Frappuccino, you should realize that it costs them about 50 cents to make it, you know, like uh, maybe a dollar 50 to include the labor involved. So, um, Anyway, that was my scheme, right? That was my plan. So I'm going to work with Starbucks because that's what who I was working for when I moved down there. I was promised a, uh, a promotion and I'll just work my way up the ranks. That'll pay for my, my bills. And once I've gotten this free education in business because I already paid for an education in ministry, um, then I'll be able to open my own coffee shop church. But I didn't get the promotion. And like we were struggling to make ends meet. We were struggling to pay rent. Uh, we were on food stamps. We went to soup kitchens um, and like, and that was like, I don't know when, when you're married with kids, like you can only endure so much suffering. And it came to the point where I was like, you know, God, if this coffee shop thing is supposed to happen, like you're going to have to intervene here because I'm starving to death and I'm going to actually go ahead and apply to other retail jobs to see what I can do, how to make more money so that I can actually take care of this family. Um, and so I ended up working for Wells Fargo and I was a bank teller for like eight months. Um, and it was through the winter of Colorado. And this is where, where like my, my hate of Colorado really started to take root. First, I was, you know, pretty pissed off that I had been forced out of my youth ministry position. Like it wasn't until I got to Colorado Springs, I realized that I had actually been fired. I thought I actually, I thought I quit, but actually upon further reflection, I was like, oh, actually they got rid of me. So there's resentment, feeling judged by God. Um, but that's okay. We're going to move forward. God's doing great things. Oh, wait, God's not moving as fast as I thought. This doesn't seem to be the way forward, man. Everything I thought I knew was wrong and I am a failure. And now I need to go get a job like selling credit cards to grandmothers. <laughs> like that's like, for me, I grew up with Dave Ramsey. I'm like, man, and here I am working in a credit institution trying to, uh, you know, give people their money, but also always trying to sell them on a loan or a credit card or some other um, product that the bank offered. And uh, 
it was rough. And then on top of it all, the thermostat in my minivan went out. And so it started overheating. Like you could drive it for five minutes and then you had to wait 30 minutes for it to cool down. So you could drive it another five minutes. And that would make a really long commute up to the nice side of town where my bank was. So life was hard. Then it got harder. And then I had to get up early and get on the bus to ride it up to a spot where I could walk two hours uphill to the bank in the winter in Colorado. And at this point, like you may be thinking like, oh my gosh, walking uphill both ways in the snow, Zeb, you are making this up, but I'm, I'm telling you now that's, that's a true story. And it sucked. I mean, you, you could have seen me there. It was 2000 fall of 2014, winter, 2014, Colorado Springs. Uh, I'm not walking up Eustick, which would have been a shorter route up to the bank, but I'm walking up, um, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of the road in a three piece suit, snow's blowing around. And I got like a, a wool peacoat over it and a scarf and a hat. And, um, you know, this part of town where people don't pick up hitchhikers. They assume you're out for a walk. And, uh, yeah, two hours to the bank. Work there all day, nine to five. Uh, actually, more like eight to six because you have to count in and count out your drawer. Lots of security stuff there. And then I hike two hours back um, to the bus stop to catch the last bus of the day to get back to my house, back to my one-bedroom apartment with my wife and my one-year-old. And uh, it was really, really hard. I did that for two months. And then finally we got the van going, but like just the cold and the suffering. And for me, like I grew up in Idaho, so like North Idaho. So cold was fine, but just the sorrow upon sorrow upon sorrow that was stacking up for me in that season was so rough. And so now I'm able to like recognize like, okay, here is why I am the only person that Dr. Cameron knows that would complain about Colorado, this beautiful scenic state. It's like the New Zealand of the USA. Like it's got mountains and snow and everything. Right. And, uh, the reason is because Colorado is where I found out that I was a loser and that God did not shine his favor upon me and that the things that I set my hands to, he did not bless. And that was really hard. And at camp, I realized that, that there are still major parts of my mind that are stuck in this fixed mindset. I don't know if you guys have ever read. Uh, there's a really great book by Carol Dweck. Um, I'm, I'm reading through it right now. I've, I watched her TEDx talks you know, a couple years ago, but now it's all really starting to culminate. And I'm doing a full immersion on this idea of fixed mindset versus growth mindset. And so the book by Carol Dweck titled Mindset, um, it talks about these two mindsets that people are in and you can either be a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. And so your fixed mindset is identity based. You say, I am smart. I am good looking. I am, you know, you fill in the blank and there's like this title you have, like I am gifted. And like a lot of parents will do this to their kids. Like they tell them they're so special. Like they're a savant, they're, they're a prodigy and uh, that they're really good at something. And the problem is when you say that and that's your identity, that affects your behavior because the thing is you're afraid to do things that will threaten that identity because let's say you're a prodigy and you do poorly on a test. It's like, Oh, well maybe you're not as special as we thought you were and you're less worthy of love. And uh, you know, like if you have a bad hair day, like maybe that's the end of the world because you're not beautiful. And if you're not beautiful, then you can't be loved. And that's, that's the fixed mindset. So the fixed mindset is always very insecure because it has had a title assigned to it and anything that is contrary 
to that title threatens the title. Now, on the other hand, you could look at, at the world through what's called a growth mindset. Now, a growth mindset is more action-based, and it's the kind of person that sees a challenge comes their way, and they like rub their hands together and lick their lips, and they say, oh, yeah, I love a challenge, and and they just dive into things, and and it's like, you know, this is the way kids play video games, you know, like they, they you can watch them, they take their little cartoon character, and they like slam it against the wall like 600 times, and they just keep working on the puzzle until they figure it out. Because the consequence of failure is simply try again, try again, try again. And so people with a growth mindset, they don't have their identity attached to these things. Their identity is secure. They say, no, I, I am a human being and my value is in my effort. And so for them, they're not attached to the outcomes. They're attached to the effort, the process, the journey. And so you guys, there's lots of like poetic goodness in this, but let me just kind of like boil this down to this idea and it's between actions and identity. And so the fixed mindset says my actions are the foundation of my identity. You know, when I do well on a test, when I am called beautiful, when I am fill in the blank, then I get to be fill in the blank identity uh, that makes me lovable. But the growth mindset says that my identity supports my actions. Like because I'm a champion, because I work hard, because I keep trying, because I get back up, because that's who I am, I do this. I do that. I, I, you know, I try again. I give it another go. I look at a bad score on my test as an opportunity to recalculate how I, um, how I study. And so for students, you guys can look at this like really in a powerful way. Like how did you do? on the last midterm you took, not the final, the midterm. Um, and here's like a little side story, okay? So like quarter one, I took osteology. I took doc, uh, osteology with Dr. Harmon. He's a chiropractor and he was teaching us the axial skeleton. And I said to myself, you know what? This guy's a chiropractor. He's gonna be way more concerned about the spine than about all those obscure, stupid little knobs and grooves inside the skull. And so the way I studied for the midterm was external axial spine, you know, external landmarks um, ax, uh, axial skeleton. And, uh, I was dead wrong, man. Like the midterm, like half, more than half the questions were obscure, like grooves and notches and holes inside the skull. And I got like, uh, I got a 60% on the midterm. Now for you, I want you to think about this. Okay. So you get a 60% on your midterm. What do you say? What do you say when you get a 60 on your midterm? Um, there, there are people in the fixed mindset, what they'll say is, oh my gosh, that doctor, that teacher is such a jerk. He, um, he's, he's just playing hardball and he just likes to screw with me and he hates me and God hates me too. And I'm, a, I'm an idiot. I'm not very good at this. Maybe I shouldn't even be in school for this. Um, or like you have all these like identity, like either you're defensive about it and it's everyone else's fault that you got a bad grade or you're like self-destructive about it because it has like totally collapsed your view of who you are. That would be the fixed mindset. Now, if you move into the growth mindset, growth mindset says, whoa, I was completely unprepared for that. I definitely didn't study the right way. Apparently, this teacher wants me to focus on A, B, and C instead of X, Y, and Z. And so for the final, I need to get this kind of grade in order to pass the class and this grade the way I'm going to get it is by studying on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays for an hour, these flashcards of every single piece. And Monday, what I'm going to do after lecture is I'm going to 
um, make flashcards for all the pieces of anatomy that we just covered in class. And uh, that, that would be the growth mindset. Growth mindset is leveled at the, the cause of your problems, right? It's like, okay, I did poorly on a test because I put forth the wrong effort and I can do it better. Growth mindset says, I can learn it. I can change. I can do better. My personality is not permanent. I, I can become something else tomorrow based on what I do today. And uh, so anyway, going back to, to looking at the story of Colorado, I realized that I had been in a fixed mindset and I believed that either God loved me or God did not love me. And that uh, either he blessed the things that I touched and it would be easy to do, or if it was too hard to do, it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. Like kind of this, like I'm predestined to do everything. I'm just a robot going through the motions. And if I go through the wrong motions, then I'm outside of the favor of God. So very terrible spot to be in. But what is great for me to recognize now, Colorado is actually where all of that changed. Because in Colorado, that's where as I, I'm frustrated and I'm stuck and I feel like there's nowhere to go and I'm working at Wells Fargo and I'm hating my life because I have these sales goals that I'm supposed to meet and I'm not meeting it. And they just hired this like 18 year old kid who um, was just his last job was working at McDonald's, but he's bilingual. So he gets to be a banker. And meanwhile, I'm stuck on the teller side making half as much money. And I'm like, I've got uh, an undergraduate degree and I'm like clearly more capable, more responsible, better salesperson. And I'm not getting what I, I want. And so I'm just, I'm super unhappy. But my saving grace was that I was introduced to chiropractic back in 2010. And when I was with Dr. Rosie, she got the principle dialed into me so deeply that the first thing we did when we moved to Colorado was find another Max Linden chiropractor. And so we found Kristen Kells and we were uh, under care on, at her clinic with Jason Cahill and Joe Blampied and um, some really great, great doctors there. And, uh, what happened out of the blue was their office manager, Brandy, called my wife and said, hey, our front desk girl is moving back home to Oklahoma and she, uh, we, we need to hire someone. We need to hire someone for our front desk position. Would you be interested? And Lauren said, well, here's the thing. Like, we've always made the sacrifice so that I can stay home and raise our children well. Um, but my husband, Zeb, would literally kill people to work for you guys. So let's have him apply. And so anyway, I applied and I'm there in the group interview and I crushed the group interview. Um, but I'm sitting down with Dr. Jason, who's the, the, um, basically the operating, uh, the managing doctor, I guess you could say, like he basically, he ran the clinic, um, even though Dr. Kristen owned it and he sits down with me and he says, you know, Zeb, I really want to hire you. Um, but the front desk would kill you. You're a terrible fit, fit for the front desk. Uh, but where I see you is as my right-hand man, here is the exam tech. And unfortunately, I just hired someone to re replace the, the peak student that was here. Um, and I've got to give him his 30 days. I don't think he's going to make it. So, um, I mean, it's, it's a yes, but no for now for hiring you as our exam tech. I was like, okay, that's fine. So next day I go to work at Wells Fargo and I get a call from Dr. Jason. And he says, hey, you're not going to believe what happened the guy I just hired, no called, no showed today. And he doesn't want the position. And uh, anyway, I have a spot for you. I was like, sweet, I accept, you know, and that's when I started my job as a chiropractic assistant an exam tech at a high volume clinic. And at this point, they were seeing like 675, 700 patient visits a week. So high volume, which is why they needed a full time guy just to take x rays, 
of new patients and re-exams and handle the exam side of things. And uh, man, like, you know, three weeks in, I'm like crying on the floor because it's so hard, like having to run around and, and manage so many people. It was a higher workload than I had ever experienced before, but they told me I could do it. They believed in me that I could do it. So I had to keep trying. And so I kept trying. I had a breakthrough experience. I really dialed stuff in. Um, I ended up being one of the best exam techs they've ever had there because I, I finally found myself in a place where I was under responsible leadership, not people who asked what they could get out of me, but who asked what they could do to make me more valuable. And that that's huge right there. Like what you got to realize, you guys who are going to be doctors, who are doctors, these people that work for you, they are a certain level of valuable right now. And if you try really hard, you can squeeze every drop of value out of them and cut corners and underpay them and get like the most out of them while giving them the least back. And that will get you some good results and it will also get you huge turnover. But if you change your perspective and you say, okay, this person is a certain level of valuable right now to me, what can I give them to make them even more valuable, more of an asset? Like, is there a responsibility, a training I can do with them? Like, uh, a new compensation structure that rewards them based on their uh, activity and effort. And uh, so anyway, I, I submitted myself to leadership that I could trust, that I could almost blindly follow and who were responsible with me as a human being. And um, that's also when I started discovering some really great self-improvement material. I started getting into Tony Robbins, Jocko podcast, all, all that kind of stuff. And um, started really deciding to work on myself and changing the stories I tell about myself. And, and that's also where, uh, we had this, uh, random representative from life West, uh, a chiropractic school in San Francisco. Um, she came out and talked to me about the school and about maybe thinking about going to school and, and the people that I was working for believed in me enough to make sure that I got to her presentation. I told her, Oh, thanks. Chiropractic school is super hard though. And a lot of people get divorced and, my marriage is number one, so uh, I'm not going to do that. Um, she's like, well, I would love for you to come, you and your wife to come out and see our school. And so they, they took care of us. They helped us go there. And I was like, sweet, it's going to be a fun weekend. I hear there's like a ropes course. It's going to be a great personal development thing. It'll be fun. But when I was there, I met like single parents that were doing it and people that were married and, and still getting through school. And like it wasn't as hard as it looked. And I saw that there were people at least as dumb as me doing well in the program. You know what I'm saying? And um, it's like, wow, maybe I could go to chiropractic school. And so that sowed the, the seed of maybe I could go back to school too. And so Colorado, I was there from 2014 through 2018. And in those four years, I went from broke, sleeping on the floor of a one-bedroom apartment, food stamps, food banks, uh, hating my life, hating my job to we ended up buying a house the house had appreciated to where we walked away with like 50k and i was able to like do some really cool stuff when we moved over here i, I grew so much as a human being um and and i received so much praise and i got to be part of max living which like in case you guys haven't noticed i think is the hands down best chiropractic network on planet earth um and if you don't believe me i dare you to go to a seminar and prove me wrong because um, these people they're my people and we, we teach vitalism and we teach people how to heal. And I've seen such amazing miracles in their offices 
Like I, I still remember one of my first re-exams I did at that clinic I was working at. I had a lady come in and she says, oh, by the way, I don't have hepatitis C anymore. And I was like, what? What do you mean you don't have hepatitis C anymore? She says, well, you know, back in the 70s, I got a blood transfusion and I got hepatitis C and uh, it's been in remission for a long time, but I go back every few months to make sure that it stays in remission. And this last time I went, my doctor said that I'm clear. I don't have it at all anymore. And I was like, that is crazy cool. And for me at that point, I was I was at least indoctrinated enough to go like, oh, okay, well, chiropractic's miraculous, isn't it? That's amazing. Uh, but then I did some more research and it turns out that a lot of chiropractors, um, because of what we do to raise the quality of a person's life by reintegrating their nervous system with every other system in their body, it is not at all uncommon for people's immune systems to go to that next level where they're able to finally kill off some sort of disease that has been weighing them down for decades. And, uh, and that's just one of like hundreds of miracles. You can imagine seeing like six or 700 patient visits a week. We have a lot of miracles walk in and walk out of that place. And uh, uh, just so cool. Some really cool stuff. I wish I, I could just like sit here and talk for an hour. Maybe I will sometime. I'll just write down all the stories I remember. Um, but now here I am. I'm living in Georgia. Getting, I'm going to school. And I'm going to become one of those care providers, one of those chiropractors that made that impact in my life and in the lives of so many other people. And I'm so incredibly blessed. So now for me, like I can, I can look back on Colorado and say, okay, I don't have to complain about it anymore. Like I can actually forgive Colorado for the suck at the beginning because of the sweetness at the end. And I realized that's actually when I transitioned from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. And now I realize since camp is like, listen, I am blessed and highly favored. I, I have been anointed by the Lord to proclaim freedom to the captives, healing to the sick, sight to the blind. And and everything that the Lord sets my hands to, he blesses. And since that is my identity, that my performance actually doesn't affect that. Like that is anchored eternally, you know, like I'm good. And so everything else is me simply working in the world to try and figure out how to do things better, how to make it better. And that kind of releases me from, from the perfectionist trap, from the trap of being a prodigy, of being gifted, of having to be good at things. I can actually approach things now and say, uh, because of my experience in Colorado, I can approach things and say, all right, I am willing to be the fool now so that I can be the hero later. I am willing to do something badly so that I can get good at it later. Like right now, me recording this podcast, I can tell you right now I'm live in my studio. Uh, no, actually I'm, I'm in my bedroom because it has a big mattress and blankets and carpet. And so that absorbs a lot of the background noise. I'm recording on uh, a pair of Skull Candy headphones that has a microphone on it and uh, my Acer laptop. And it's like really a low budget production. Um, but think of the value that I'm adding to you here. Like if you're still listening, like, wow, you're getting some value out of me because I'm here doing a podcast poorly. And every episode I'm learning new things and figuring out how to do things a little bit better, how to articulate myself better. I'm learning how to communicate this skill set I'm developing right now. I would not be developing if I had to have this fixed mindset of either I am a good speaker or, oh, I'm not good at public speaking. I can throw those identities aside, those fixed mindsets aside and say, you know what? I am not as good as I could be. So I'm going to try again today and do it poorly. So that, because, you know, something 
poorly done is better than not done at all. Um, so that's really what I've got for you guys today. And so as I'm wrapping up here, I want I want to call you guys to action because the thing is, last thing I want to be is some good information. Oh yeah, I love Zeb's podcast because he's always got such good information. Or oh, those are fun stories. Like no, if it doesn't transform your life, if it doesn't change something that you do tomorrow because of something you heard today, I was entertainment, and I refuse to be entertainment. I want to be a leader, an encourager, someone who pushes you to that next level of consciousness and quality of life. So here is your call to action. I wanna I wanna ask you. What makes you uncomfortable? When is the last situation that you were talking to someone else or you were watching something or you were listening to something or, or you were just out on a walk? Shoot, I don't, I don't know. When was the last time that an idea entered your head that made you uncomfortable? Like you wanted to get away from it. You wanted to get defensive about it. You wanted to argue with it. You wanted to bargain with it. Like when was the last time you had an emotion bully you? And I want you to take a moment right now and, and figure out that, that experience. I'm sure one comes right to mind. Something floats right to the top. And you're like, yeah, that really sucked. That was super uncomfortable. That one time that I did this, or I was talking to so-and-so about this. And I want you to take time now, or at least right, like schedule some time later this week or tonight even to figure out why, because the emotions you feel should lead you to act. They should lead you to do something about them. And I wanted to ask why go 12 layers deep. Like why, why was I uncomfortable? Well, it was because, you know, so-and-so said this or made this look at me and okay, well, but why did that make you uncomfortable? Well, because that reminds me of every time when I was in high school, that would happen. And oh, okay, now we're getting somewhere. So why, like what happened in high school? Why was it a big deal there? Well, it's because, you know, when I was little, my parents used to say such and such and like, yeah, it's going to be a full blown therapy session. And I would invite you to put down your bravado, put down your pride, put down your fixed mindset, put down your defenses and sit down with yourself and ask yourself, why am I so damned uncomfortable right now? Because on the other side of this, if you can figure out why you will master that thing and you will never have to feel uncomfortable about that again. Like right now, like I, I was able to follow up and talk to Dr. Cameron and say, hey, I think I figured out why I'm the only person you know who complains about Colorado. And I got to have a great conversation with him about it. And now I can look back on Colorado with, with respect and gratitude and say, you know what? That's a beautiful state. And it made me a more beautiful person and transformed me in some amazing ways. But that didn't happen until I was able to go, huh, I wonder why I'm uncomfortable. And so what I want you to do today, get into that story. And I want you to choose growth instead of that fixed mindset. Figure out where you are, are trying to cling on to some identity that you feel is threatened. Because the thing is, your true identity, who you really are, it's there. It's woven into you. There's nothing that can change that except for you. And so if you're a monster or if you're a hero, that's in there. And it's up to you to cultivate it. And cultivation is your action. And action is simply the practice of making something better. And lucky enough for you, you're becoming a doctor. You don't do a job. You don't play a sport. You practice your profession and you get better at it all the time. So choose growth. All right, you guys, that's all I've got for you today. 
So uh, what I want you to do right now, if you have a chance, uh, just go ahead and hit like, subscribe, turn on that little bell icon so that every time I drop new podcasts, you guys get plugged in, you get dialed in, you don't miss a beat. Um, and if you guys want to reach out to me, I, I want to invite you to um, email me. I'm zebsmith at protonmail.com. Um, I also just recently signed up for Parlor and Gab. I destroyed my Facebook. I was like, to heck with Facebook, those communist monsters. Um, and Parlor, I don't know if Parlor is as free as I want to be because you guys should know that I'm, I'm a hardcore um, freedom man. Like I, I, I love First and Second Amendment. I love being an American. And when I see that my media is being censored, like that just like sets off my commie radar. And uh, so anyway, I'm on Parlor. My Parlor handle, if I can find it, is at RealZebSmith. And my Gab handle, Gab.com, same handle, at RealZebSmith. So you guys can go ahead and like and follow me there. Um, see the stuff that I drop, stuff that I put in. I'll make sure that I put my podcast episodes there as well. Um, and yeah, wherever you guys listen to your podcast, make sure you follow, subscribe. And uh, you guys have a blessed set of holidays, whatever it is that you, you celebrate. You should celebrate something because life's worth celebrating and uh, everything in it as well. So um, anyway, much love. Go enjoy some coffee, you guys. I will talk to you again soon.